Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the MLS Soccer Show with Cal and Crean. I am your host, Tim Crean, and with me as always, the Cal of Cal and Crean, Mike Calandrella. Mike, how you doing today? Doing good, Tim. Episode 8. We're doing uh, we're doing pretty solid. Last week was a great show. We had our um, best friend, CJ Sapong, on the show. So again, we appreciate his time. And, uh, you know, it might have led to a Nashville draw. So, hey, good things come to those who come on the MLS Soccer Show. Yeah, we'll get into that. The, uh, the What's the opposite of a curse? The good luck charm of coming on the MLS Soccer Show yeah. uh, will get you some, some points in the standings, some points on your personal record sheet. But uh, on to this weekend's games, and we're going to do, as we always do, a deep dive on three games before going into some Tomas Caliente, some hot takes on the rest. And, uh, Mike, I think we're going to start with uh, Inter Milan 3, AC Milan 0. How about this from, uh, oh, no, wait, we're going to do MLS today? <laughs> How dare you? Too soon? Oh, I'm sorry. I have not gotten anywhere near getting over that debacle <laughs> of a semifinal crapper of a game. Oh, just awful. Purely purely awful. I mean, again, if you look at the, the starting 11s on both teams, Inter Milan has a way better squad. But saying that, being a, a Rossonieri fan, a, a man that has lived and breathed the red and black since 1996, it hurt my heart because this is a team that is still at fir- in first in Syria with only what five games left to play and uh, hasn't come anywhere near sniffing the top of Syria since 2010, 2011. The, what the first time uh, Ebro was there. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I uh, really, really what a what a jerk. <laughs> Excellent. And now we're going to talk about something even better for me, uh, yeah. which is the first game of the series of the the. Games of the week. NYCFC 6. Real Salt Lake nothing. That is not a a Yankees score or a Giants or Jets score. That is a soccer score. Mike, what did you see when NYCFC put an absolute beatdown on RSL? We are more than a fifth through the 2022 season for almost all the teams, except your beloved NYCFC because they've only played six games because of the wonderful CONCACAF. But yes, the, your reigning MLS Cup champions, they have not had an easy start to the year. Um, heartbreaking, I guess is what you could call it for those who care about CONCACAF Champions League, the other Champions League. Uh, they were knocked out uh, against Seattle, and we'll get to more of that later and how I really feel about it. Um, but yeah, I, congratulations. You rang up six on the 2021 Western Conference finalist Real Salt Lake. Um, against Montreal and RSL, you guys have scored 10 combined goals. So that's really good. But in the other four, one. Uh, a little bit of a disparity. Uh, but the defense is tied for fourth in shots on goal allowed. And you guys are New York bound for the foreseeable future. You're going to be um, playing at different baseball stadiums uh, where the Mets play, <laughs> City Field in Queens, and obviously Yankee Stadium, your home field, which I still think is an advantage, um, for the next month. And you did really well considering there was no Maxi Morales on the pitch. Uh, he is in the 98th percentile in expected assists across the league over the last year. Um, he's 642 years old, so you got to give him that. He's doing really well. And again, Tati Castellanos finally found the back of the net more than just a couple times. So um, obviously he's been listening because I would have sold him, like I said, many weeks ago <laughs> to uh, River Plate in Argentina. But this is your team. I'm going to let you have your, your – I guess the panic meter has been put away. So have your say, Tim. 
Yes, the panic meter is gone. Uh, first of all, I can't wait for City Field. The game's there. Uh, as a longtime Queens resident myself, uh, I have a soft spot for uh, for City Field. I think it's an excellent field. And uh, I don't know about soccer, but for baseball, it's, it's great. Um, I also can't wait to say that NYCFC and Tati Castellanos are back. Uh, the Champions League is, is thankfully over for NYCFC. They can just focus on MLS. And... You know, Tati scored four goals. I don't even know what to call that. I mean, it's more than a hat trick. Is it a double brace? Should we just call it a hot toddy? Is that uh, is that the Ooh, new like that. the new term like for that? The hot toddy. Four goals Good. for Castellanos. He went from zero goals uh, through the first uh, whatever seven or eight games, and then uh, now he's second in the Golden Boot race uh, with four, uh, just behind a couple guys with five so far this season. And I've been talking about it during their struggles. I mean, this is process over results. They've had some bad luck. Um, they just haven't got the individual performances that they had uh, last season, and especially towards the end of last season in the playoffs. And it wasn't it wasn't a, a greater kind of systemic thing, if I can say that, uh, that was that was hurting them. And today it all came together. All the luck was on their side, and they just absolutely thrashed um, a, a pretty decent uh, Salt Lake team. I know you'll have your thoughts on that in, in a minute, but. I mean, the, the young front of Talis Magno, Thiago, Andrade, and, and Castellano are just among the best in the game as far as young talent goes. And we'll talk all about MLS young talent when we rank stuff in a little bit. But, you know, the biggest compliment I can give to NYCFC in this game is that they looked like Manchester City, their parent club this game. They, they pressured, they passed, they, they outshot their opponents 22 shots to 12 with, with 12 on net versus 5 for Salt Lake. They had 56% possession, and if you squinted real, real, got real close to your TV, you squinted and you saw that sky blue and white, it looked like a city squad. And if they play like that, they're going to be hard to beat. Um, as far as RSL, they talked a lot of crap on social media before this game. They, they searched the stadium for what they could, the tiny championship banner and all that nonsense. Well, how do you like the champs now, huh? Yeah, they don't like them quite as much. Uh, and yeah, if your TV was broken, maybe you could have thought they were <laughs> Manchester City. I can't so. see anything with my glasses off, so maybe exactly. that's what's happening. So is, yeah. Take it for what it's worth. But yes, RSL, <laughs> they're still sitting in sixth place on 12 points. Somehow, and again, it goes back to parity, goes back to this league. It's only, They're only four points yeah. out of first. So you got to give them that. Um, over their next five matches, RSL have Portland. The Galaxy, Nashville, Austin, and Montreal. So for me, how they come out on the other side of May is going to tell us if they're a fraud or if they're for real. I personally think that they're more on the fraudulent side with maybe a little bit in the middle. Um, I still like Bobby Wood a lot, but he he's just not the Bobby Wood of Hamburg days and, yeah. and all that good stuff. But yeah, this was all about New York uh, City FC, and they played really well. So congratulations to finally get off the schneid. And, and in my opinion... Just throw the CONCACAF Champions League out the window. That's right. That is over. And uh, we are moving on to uh, to another game that was interesting. We'll talk about a team we haven't talked about all that much. Minnesota United 3, Colorado Rapids, Colorado Cronkies, as Mike uh, enjoys calling them, one. Mike, talk about the loons and how they uh, how they beat down the Cronkies. The loons! They will be breathing a little 
bit of a sigh of relief after their 3-1 to victory over the Cronkies. Um, they did see Emmanuel Reynoso get a little closer to top form with two assists, but on a weekend full of stellar goalkeeping, it was Dane St. Clair who was perhaps the best of the bunch. His saves kept the score at 1-1. Uh, for most of the match, kept Minnesota in the game. Kids only 24, had five saves, already has two clean sheets on the year, and seven saves total for the season, and that's only with three uh, three goals allowed thus far through those five starts. So he's really, really, really good, and, I, and we didn't really hear much about him before. He he's obviously hasn't started every match for them. Um, he did keep out nearly four goals more than expected, so that's that's really, really impressive. Um, I know you you, you flip-flop with Minnesota. You like them, you don't like them. Um, but if this kid can do his part, there's a lot to like in there. And then as far as the Colorado Cronkies are concerned, well, they're just going to Cronky. Um, they haven't been very defensively sound as of late, conceding six goals in their past two games. And there's just not a lot to get excited about. I know that, you know, it's far from over. Um, and this team has moments of brilliance. And then there's just moments of um, poo-pooing the bed. So um, I can't I can't really say much about them. But, I, you know, all I'll do is to my man, St. Clair. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, also, I haven't flip-flopped that much on Minnesota United last week, notwithstanding. Uh, I do think they're an underrated team. And at home, that stadium was rocking uh, this week at, at the night and stuff. So it was really a really good showing from them. I think they're going to give give teams trouble. It was a weird game overall. I mean, there was like a fake out red card early in the game where the, where the ref just pulled out a red. Everyone's like, whoa, whoa. He's like, oh, no, sorry. It's a yellow. Um, and the goal for Colorado was like this deflected offsides thing that kind of popped in the back of the net on a weird play. So the game was strange. What wasn't strange was that Dane St. Clair was excellent. I mean, Colorado outshot Minnesota 15 to 14 with eight and six on net. Uh so anyways, they outshot him by just a little bit. Uh, and Dane St. Clair kept those guys out of the back of the net. Uh, he made seven saves. There was a few posts and crossbars hit along the way too. Um, but that was the difference in the game is the play of the keeper. And honestly, you know, I didn't think Colorado played bad. I mean, they had chances. They just ran into a hot goalie, which, you know, soccer fans, hockey fans, they all know very well what that can do to a team. And the way both teams played for the whole 90 minutes, I mean, it wouldn't have been a shock if it was 3-1 the other way, right? I mean, if St. Clair didn't make some of those saves, if some of those those uh, those balls that hit the post and the crossbar went in, it'd be a very different game. But, you know, as long as I'm doing Premier League comps here and saying, you know, NYCFC played like City, the, the reason I think Minnesota United is underrated is because when I watch them, they remind me of like a West Brom or a Brighton or a Burnley uh, like those teams when they have like coaches like Sean Dyche or Tony Pulis, Slavin Bilic, who just play these like tough physical squads. And usually those teams have like one competent forward up front that when the other team's not playing well, they take advantage of them. And that was Robin Lowe, who I thought played uh, well. He, he scored the goal. He had the layoff for the second goal. It was uh, it was a solid win all around. So again, I, you know, I don't think Minnesota is going to challenge uh, for the cup at the end of the year, but uh, if they were like a, a end of the end of the you know playoff team race there, I wouldn't be shocked. And and again, uh, at, at worst, they're going to give some some good teams, especially in the West, uh, some really bad nights uh, when they come to Minnesota this summer. So I think uh, Minnesota is a is a team at least to keep an eye on. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And um, your comps are funny because two of those three are going to be in the championship next year. One yeah, well, of them I'm should be <laughs> in the years when they're good. And they, you know, I mean, Slavin Milik, I don't think is coached in the EPL in two none, or three none years. None of those and... guys, as we saw, Sean Dyche yeah. was fired this week. So right. yeah, um, yeah, probably not a great week for um, yeah for comparisons as far as working is compa- is concerned. That's fair. But yeah, I agree with you. They uh, they do tend to surprise some teams, uh, and and that's a good thing. And Robin Lodd, who as we spoke about many, many episodes, was in a forest for much of the offseason, which is still one of my favorite quotes ever. Absolutely, and that's uh, it, it works well in Minnesota. So, uh, Speaking of fired coaches and disappointing teams, Austin 3, D.C. United 2. Uh, Mike, Austin put the nail in the coffin of United coach Hernan Lozada uh, today. They announced that he was fired, uh, but what did you think of the game before you heard this uh, news, and, and how, how surprised were you that uh, he got the boot? Not surprised because DC has been pretty awful, yeah. but um, you know they should they should really do whatever they can to bring back Wayne Rooney and uh, to be the manager uh, because he did a pretty bang up job at Derby for anybody that follows English football and that team had such a mess. You know they were been relegated from the the championship, but they would dock points. He's going to get a Premier League these... job or like the Everton yeah. job pretty soon, so I, I don't yeah, think well, he's coming back to DC United, unfortunately. No, he shouldn't. And, and Everton will pro- might be in the championship with them as well, so that's yeah. neither here nor there. But yeah, that would be interesting for him to actually go up a step to Everton. Huh? Yeah. But I digress. Um, Austin, I he enjoyed the most euphoric comeback in its brief but interesting history, scoring three goals in the final 11 minutes to turn a two-goal deficit into a 3-2 win against the 10-man DC. That's why the coach is fired. Um, the often injured Danny Hawson was among the goal scorers and could be the missing piece um, to really help this team get a little bit more consistent. And that's really what they need. Uh, as we know, they've started out really strong. They wavered, but you know maybe this is it. Um, and Austin became just the fifth club in MLS history to win a match in which he trailed by two or more goals in the 80th minute or later, and the first to do so since 2018. Uh, you got to give it to him. Josh Wolf doing a good job in Austin. Really, yeah. really nice. Like you said about the previous game, this was a very strange one for DC. Ola Kamara took off his jersey after scoring a goal. You can't do that. It's the Mario Balotelli rule. Keep your shirt on. Whether you're ripped or not, he got a yellow card. And then a little bit later, he got a second foolish yellow card, which caused DC to play te- a man down with 10, as we previously mentioned. Look, DC, it's a mess. Tim said they fired the coach. They started out 2-0. Um, they've lost four straight. Uh, three by one goal, which is the only reason I guess maybe their coach even managed to get this far into the season. But uh, the Black and Red have created the second fewest chances in the league. And they are tied for the ninth most shots on goal allowed. No good. But hey, it's looking maybe a little bit better because they got their new DP, Taxi Fountas, made his debut. So that's pretty cool because he's got an awesome name. Yeah, that's, uh, that is cool. Uh, speaking of debuts, another kind of semi-bright spot for DC. 17-year-old Jackson Hopkins made his debut as well. Got the start. Uh, you know, he didn't set the world on fire. But he looked sharp for a teenager playing professional soccer, which is pretty darn cool. Um, on the other side of the ball, you know, I want to like Austin so bad. Like, I, I, I want to think they're good. I want to see, you know, think they can challenge uh, in the playoffs. But, you know, three of their four wins have been complete outliers. There's this game where they had a, a record comeback. The first two games of the year where they beat up on Cincinnati and Inter-Miami. The combined score at 10 nothing. So they only have, like, one legit win, uh, you know, in a, in a real soccer game uh, this year. And I, I just don't get those feelings. I mean, I know Wolf is doing a good job, like you said, but they're just there's nothing for Austin that really excites me right now. And 
I need to see them win a two nothing game, a three one game where they win wire to wire, where they where they play the whole game, and uh, and the other team plays the whole game too, and they stop them. And so you know, until that happens, I, I just can't get on the Austin FC bandwagon. Which you know, Matthew McConaughey owns them. The, the, the trees, they got sweet jerseys. I love the colors. You know, uh, they're they're a young team, which is fun to root for. And so I want to get on board, but I just can't until I see them uh, play better for an entire ninety minutes. All right, all right, all right. Absolutely, I'm driving Lincoln. No, you're right. You're right. You know, but again, they're a second year team, so we'll give sure. them that. Um, they are sponsored by Yeti as well, which is pretty cool. Awesome. But um, but for, but for real, yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. You know, I didn't put a lot of stock going into the season. They have obviously exceeded my expectations, and um, they're they're good. They're not great. They, right. they maybe they'll they'll squeak into the playoffs. We've got a long ways to go. But yeah, they need to show a little bit more. You know that oomph to you know a little maybe McConaughey needs to give a couple more of those you know University of Texas rah rah speeches before the game or coming in halftime. I mean, either way. Matthew, come on the show. Let's talk about it. I like it. Sounds like a plan. And uh, as we said, it's good luck to come on the MLS Soccer Show. All right, moving on to the rest of the games this week. We are going to go rapid fire through our Tomas Calientes. Tomas Calientes. Our hot takes. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Ole, 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 ole. Ole, 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 ole. Mike, I think uh, we are contractually obligated to start with your favorite team, Orlando City, because they beat a very good, uh, good Columbus Crew team uh, to nothing this weekend. How did you feel about that? Nice jersey. Thank you. Uh, two points at a first in the East. Who doesn't love some MLS? I certainly do. Orlando boasts seven different goal scorers, but more impressively have five different players with at least two assists. There's no MLS team with more this season. With the exception of the, that 4-2 loss to LAFC, which was in the rain, uh, Orlando has been one of the league's best over the past month. It upended the Galaxy, tied Portland, edged Chicago, and finished off Columbus. Three of those four results were away from home. That is really, really impressive, uh, especially for a team that has struggled on the road in previous seasons. Look, I still think that the club probably should have brought back Nani. Uh, your captain still had a lot in the tank. He's 34. It's MLS. He could have done his thing. Look, the Lions, they're finding ways to win. Even if I don't fully trust Antonio Carlos's replacement, uh, Rodrigo Schlegel, uh, center back, who just so happened to score his first goal in MLS play because he was standing in the middle of the box. Um, I don't know what he was doing there, but the ball came to his foot, and luckily he meant to kick it in. It did go to VAR, and it was ruled that he was onside, so thank the heavens because it was an Orlando game, and usually those go the other way. Um, other good news is my man Erkin Karras. I don't know if you saw this goal, Tim, but this was my uh, vote for goal of the week. His spinning first-touch goal built off of some sublime tiki-taka was a thing of beauty. It reminded me of Pep Guardiola in 2010 with Barcelona. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, the Austrian now has two goals and two assists after getting off to a slower start and not really even starting all the games. Um, speaking of not starting, was Alexander Pato. So luckily, they didn't need him this week. So uh, Oscar Pereja is doing, I guess, the right thing and, and working his way in with the 32-year-old Brazilian because we don't want him to burn himself out even though he came out and ple- pleaded pled to for ac milan to take him back <laughs> i'm confused i'm so confused pato you're finally doing things you're standing up upright milan might be bought for one point something billion dollars from um you know a big time middle eastern conglomerate so i don't think you're headed back to milan but i 
okay, let's just keep that energy here in Orlando. Um, some other really, really cool news is that Tom Borgert reports that Orlando City has completed the signing of Argentinian winger Gaston Gonzalez from CA Union. And this was something that has been in the works since even before the season started. Uh, 20-year-old Gonzalez is going to be an under-22 initiative signing. A dynamic winger, the little bit I've seen on YouTube. He can create goals for him and, his, and others on his team and had five goals and seven assists in 1,400 minutes last year. Tim, I'm feeling so good about Orlando City that I'm going to let you talk before I talk about Columbus. Yeah, and I, I'm feeling good about them too. I mean, listen, I have the opposite feelings on the second-place team in the West and the East, which is Orlando, and the second-place team in the West, which is Austin, uh, where where Austin has had these wild victories that don't really uh, make sense and don't really tell you a lot about them as a team. Uh, Orlando has the opposite. They have solid victories where they play real teams, they play well, and, and they play uh, kind of different styles, and, and they, they deal with opponents differently. And that makes me bullish on Orlando more so than uh, than Austin, who's in a similar spot in the other conference. So uh, seems like you're uh, you're quite happy with uh, your squad now, and I think you should be. Thank you. For now, for now, we'll see. For you now. know, they they've burned me before one too many times, like a jilted lover. Um. Anyway, Columbus on the other side, they had some good build-up play, but really nothing to show for it, and that's pretty much been all season. Um. Their last league goal was Darlington Nagby's 95th minute uh, uh stunner on March. 20th against the Red Bulls. Since April 1st, no MLS team has more touches, but it has only created two or more chances. That's that's so, so bad. Uh, the crew have dominated ball control. It's 65% of possession, but if you listen to the show, possession don't mean a thing. Uh, over the past three matches, that's they've continued to do well in, in that regard, but it just hasn't done anything for them. And Nagby leads MLS in uh, pass percentage, 95%. Lucas Zellerion, he does he does really well with the ball on his feet. He leads the league in chances created with 29. And their keeper, uh, Eloy Room, still prevents the third most goals at 1.29, despite giving up two goals. So a really strange team. Uh, I, I, I just put all the blame on Jossie Zardes and call it a day. Yeah, and I just, you, listen, you can go back to uh, our last uh, couple podcasts where I scream about, you know, Lucas Zellerian needing some help and not getting yeah. anyone out, so we don't need to go through that again. Uh, moving on uh, to the, one of the stunners of the weekend, Mike, break up Inter-Miami. Two yeah. wins in a row, one nothing over the Seattle Sounders. Your, uh, your least favorite club is now the hottest team in MLS right now. Tell us what you think about this game. Bill Neville is safe for another day, and probably because they won two in a row, safe for the rest of the year. Whether yeah. that's a good thing or not, it's not <laughs> for me to digest. Um, but, okay, here's my thing. Someone please explain to me how MLS, MajorLeagueSoccer.com, and I'll get into this more later, has Seattle at the top of their power rankings. Anyone? No? Even NYCFC, your team, is in sixth in the power rankings. So, again, we we talked about this. You're picking names out of a hat or you're being bribed. Either way, it's unfair. Um, perhaps it's because the Sounders beat your NYCFC to clinch a spot in the CONCACAF Champions League final against uh, where they're going to play Pumas. I don't know, but I thought that this was the major league soccer dot um, com league everything and yet we're, we're we've got a team that is middling down in the in the middle of the west at number one in their power rankings wow um 
Continuing on with Miami, I'm a little flustered. Uh, only San Jose and Miami have conceded more than Miami through mid-April. It was outscored 10-2 to in March. However, they really did batter and bruise Seattle. Uh, they committed 20 fouls. That is a lot of fouls. We, we know if you watch Miami games, they're a little um, rough, a little dirty, maybe we are going to call them. Uh, but look, it seems to have worked because it led to their second consecutive wing, and Miami is now tied for eighth in the league in chances so that's good um no one but leandro campagna who just played really well last week two goals some guy named gonzalo higuain and robbie robinson have found the net though so that's why if you are an inter miami fan pump the brakes baby because you're still got two wins and you um gonzalo higuain did not even travel with the team so there's a lot of a lot of interesting things going on there well right but that's the point isn't it like phil neville is finally deciding to coach for real to do what you do when your team doesn't have the talent to compete for a title is he's sitting Gonzalo Higuain and saying, don't even come with the team anymore because you're a hundred years old and you're washed. And he's mm-hmm. playing young players like Robbie Robert Robinson, who, who scored his first goal since August of last year uh, and Campania up front. And so he's doing what he needs to do now. He's doing the right thing and he's getting a little rewarded for it. So I think that's good for inner Miami. Again, they're not going to light the world on fire, but uh in the last two weeks, they've become a competent uh, MLS team, and that's that's a huge, uh, again, a huge difference than, again, the 5 nothing loss to Austin that they had in uh, week one of the season and some of the really poor performances after that. Uh, as far as Seattle, uh, you know, they took a gamble. They had uh, the CONCACAF they're still in. Now they're the U.S. Open Cup is starting. Uh, so, I mean, they neither rolled on started. Jordan Morris wasn't even on the bench. I, is he injured? I don't know what's going on with Jordan Morris. Yeah. Just bloated. Yeah, it was yeah. There, I was, there was Sorry, a, was a all you can eat there. buffet. Yeah, it was just, he was busy. <laughs> so Jordan Morris wasn't even on the bench, uh, and you know that's you took a gamble against a, a bad inner Miami team, and and you got caught on it. But look, they're in the they're eleventh place in the Western Conference now, and that everything is is so compacted still. Like there's so much parity going on. So let's not overreact and say the the Sounders are out of it because they still have a lot of talent. But 11th right now is, is a tough look, so uh, they, they're on watch. You know, I um, if there's any Seattle Sounders fans out there who want to borrow my panic meter, uh, that I, I don't need it right now for NYCFC, so I'm happy to uh, to, to send you that in the mail. That's uh, you know, you don't have to pay for postage, but other than that, uh, you can fair. borrow the panic meter. That's fair, but you you might need it next week. So don't don't give it away, Chris. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, next, our best friend T.J. Sapong uh, had an assist. In Nashville's uh, 2-2 draw with the San Jose Earthquakes, which of course also resulted in a manager sacking, as they say in the great sport of football. Uh, Mike, tell us about this game. Yeah, you know, if, if you didn't catch CJ's interview last week, uh, do so. Go back, watch episode episode seven. Um, and he gave us a lot, ton of great sound bites, you know, uh, wonderful interview. And he, he spoke about how they have had played up to that point six games on the road to start the season. Obviously, this game against San Jose was seven, and they've got one more. So me, being the investigative journalist that I am, went online and dug deep and discovered that Nashville have played those games on the road because they're waiting for their brand-new soccer-specific stadium to open, so it all makes sense. But they do have just one more game on the road until they will finally get to play in the comforts of Giotis Park for the first time. Maybe I said that right. I don't know. But anyway, it looks cool online. They got a lot of great social media things going on as well, so check them out. Uh, Nashville has gone a respectable 3-2-2 two, two 
uh, Waltz being on the road. Uh, Hani Mukhtar has been sensational. Um, but defending set pieces has been an odd weakness for a team that is normally stout yeah. at the back and has resulted in, uh, look, 3-2-2 two, and two is fine. We're not playing at home, but I really think that if I was a Nashville supporter, if I was a Nashville player or anything with Nashville, I would be a little disappointed because, again, this is a team that really went above and beyond. And even um, CJ said last year, the expectations are super, super high because of what they did. And now mm-hmm. um, everybody expects more. So, you know, 3-2-2, uh, two, two, it's okay. I, I just don't think that it's great. You know, I know it's on the road again, but look at Orlando City. They've won four on the road. So um, take it for what it's worth. I think Nashville's a better team. Uh, but, again, giving up two to a team like San Jose – a little interesting, but you know, like you mentioned, uh, Matias Almeida, he is finally there. The my merciful end to his reign of terror in San Jose, and they got some uh, really good contributions from Jeremy Abosi, who scored an amazing sick free kick from outside the 18 and a corner kick. Um, overall, though, San Jose is a mess, yeah, they are a mess, and uh, I'll talk more about uh, Almeida's reign of uh, of depression oh. and, <laughs> and yeah, giving up later. But uh, look, a great assistant to you, Pong. Uh, MLS players come on the show. You will guarantee to uh, to earn a point uh, to your stat total uh, the next week. But uh, look, with the road games, I'm still glass full on my Nashville hot chickens here. But this was a bad two points to drop. San Jose fired their coach afterwards. Like, this is not a good team they were playing. And, and they dropped the points uh, after a, just a spectacular effort by Mukhtar. So it was... It's disappointing to see that, but again, you know, these road games all in a row like this take a toll on you too. So, uh, yeah, when these guys get back, they're going to have a big half of the season. So I'm still very bullish on, on Nashville, but, uh, yeah, it's tough to see that. You you never like to see that. Uh, another game, the, uh, the first all Canadian matchup of the season saw CF Montreal beat the Vancouver Whitecaps 2-1. Talk to us about the, uh, the battle for the great white North. I have been singing this man's praises for more than a month, and I will continue because the MVP rumblings for Jordi Mahalovic are increasing. His expected goal and assist tally currently sits at 3.17. That's per game, okay? He's notched four and three, respectively. Uh, After Montreal opened the season with losses to Orlando, Philly, and NYCFC, conceding eight goals while scoring only two, they've won three in a row, and CF... Somebody write us in, what does that mean? Has a challenging month ahead. They're going to face Philly, Atlanta, Orlando, and Charlotte. I mean, I, you could see potentially three losses out of four. You could see two and two. But again, if Jordi Mahalovic can kind of uh, jolt this team to three and one, heck, four and oh, you're not beating Orlando. It's possible that he could. <laughs> oh, yeah, he that's where the loss is going to come. That's yeah, right. It's absolutely. Yeah. He, anything's possible with this team. As long as you don't play at uh, the Veterans Dome Stadium in uh, Montreal, you know, because it's like playing on, yeah, Park, Park Slope in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, as far as the other team is concerned, the the Whitecaps, too many players regressing, too little Maxine Cropot, too many injuries, and not enough of any right kind of change in the offseason. It's just a whole lot of crap, um, I guess is the best way to really say it, Tim. Uh, they've got just one win in seven games. That came against the old men of SKC. Um, the only team besides Inter-Miami to have an equally terrible goal differential. Yikes. 
Yeah, yikes is right. I mean, Vancouver Whitecaps, they're in trouble. CF Montreal, look, they continue to be just the most exciting team in the MLS to watch. Uh, this time, they didn't wait to the second half to either have a barrage of goals or blow up. They scored in the first minute of the first half and the second minute of the second half. It was great stuff. Uh, look, Montreal is a hard team to pin down. Maybe they do have some stuff in and we'll learn a lot in that next four-game stretch. But, uh, man, it's must-see TV. Tune in because something interesting is going to happen. Uh, unlike... A few of the games happened this weekend that ended in 0-0 draws. Atlanta 0, FC Stinkinati, as Mike calls them, 0. Uh, Mike, tough news, first of all, for Atlanta, but uh, what did you think of this game? Yeah, tough news. Atlanta losing uh, their goalkeeper, Brad Guzin, to a ruptured Achilles. Um, you know, we, we wish him all the best and to recover, but at his age, it's going to be it's gonna be tough. You know, yeah. he'll, we'll see if he can make it mid-30s. The guy that's been around forever has played all over the place overseas um u.s former u.s men's national team guy good guy um but this is hurt uh, this is gonna hurt especially for atlanta um he hasn't been great uh and, and it's gonna be tough though but a brand new goalkeeper coming in it really is gonna make or break this club with their chances uh the team that you traditionally spends a lot of money um and you know hasn't got a lot of bang for its buck this year uh they are still fourth in the mls and chances created but tied for 15th in goals scored and 20th in shot conversion percentage obviously that has not a lot to do with guzin but it does put even more pressure on that new goalkeeper um they did score eight goals in their first four games uh, but they squeezed out only one since so with three games in 10 days i'm gonna go back to brooklyn i'm gonna say forget about it because you got no chance atlanta yeah that's uh you know atlanta is just frustrating i mean first of all look You've, you've been down on Guzan lately. Now we wish him the best, obviously. But, you know, now you get 34-year-old Bobby Shuttleworth uh, in net. So, and he has not played all over over Europe. He has not played for the men's national team. He is not Brad Guzan, even on his best day, even though he's approximately the same age. So we'll see how that goes for him. And, again, frustrating is the word. They had 65% possession to 35. They had 22 shots with six on target to 10 shots from Cincinnati with none on target. They had a 15 minutes of a, of a man advantage after a, a late red card there for Cincinnati. And, and they got nothing from it. They got nothing. And, and you can't have that if you're going to be a good team. And so with Guzan out, I mean, this, this could really be a, a sinking ship in Atlanta, which again is, is really not good for a team with a lot of talent. You're right, but if there was any stinking ship, it's the SS stinking Addy because they are bad again. Like, yeah. and I called it. So that's just so bad. They, they look their their season hangs in the balance. They are in twelfth, bad, but it's seven points. But again, anything can happen. We see in Orlando City climb up the table. They play LAFC, Toronto twice. Back-to-back, who makes the schedule? Minnesota, Chicago, New England, and Montreal to get them through the month of May. That is a tough, tough schedule for a team that is wildly inconsistent. And the main problem is Brennan Vasquez because, once again, he forgot where the opposition's net is. The man just can – he scores in bunches. And, unfortunately, when no one else can score to pick up the pace, you got a problem. Only bright spot of this game was Alec Khan, who saved a penalty and helped Cincinnati, Cincinnati survive, which you mentioned, that red card. Um, and, and they had more than three three goals worth of XG from Atlanta, also, like you mentioned, to escape with a point. Wow. Um, bad on both sides. I'll give it to Khan. He was a, he was a seven. Uh, everybody else was a stinking zero. Stinking zero. That's a, a great segue, Mike. That's why you're a professional podcaster here. Appreciate it. Uh, Next, our next scoreless draw, which uh, we're not done with scoreless draws yet by any means, but Houston Dynamo zero, Portland Timber zero. What'd you get from this snooze fest? 
I was gonna skip this one altogether, but because we are the we are the second greatest goalkeeping podcast currently on the internet, we had to talk about the goalkeepers. So Portland and their goalkeeper Aljaz Ivanovic, uh, Ivancic, yeah, sure. Uh, you gotta thank him for getting out of Houston with the with the nil nil all draw. The Slovakian delivered a trio of stellar saves, and if you haven't seen them, go look at them because they were awesome. Um, he was previously pretty terrible, to be honest with you. He allowed twelve goals and only four game saves excuse me in his first seven games but he did step up in a big way um they did play with up a man for 15 plus minutes but again like you mentioned in the last game it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it's 11 on 10 because clearly we can't take advantage of that and get a breakaway so uh, you know portland is just so frustrating they are a, a team that continues to struggle to score they should try to lure diego valeri back for as many millions of dollars as they possibly can and keeping with keeper fc it's the former timbers goalie steve clark 36 years old goodness gracious but he did a really really good job of keeping this match boring because he kept all the goals out that were shot his way the dynamo all you can say is that they're undefeated in their last five so that's five points yeah, not 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 a win, uh, not undefeated. They have not lost uh, right. in five games, so let's say that. Uh, you know, this was a, a nightmare statistically for Portland because they had 55% possession, which is absolutely useless for Portland. Uh, they had 12 corners to four. That's useless for Portland. Uh, all this team can do is counterattack, and that never got going because Houston didn't hold on to the ball long enough. I mean, if, if Portland wants to, like, if the other team gets a red card, Portland should get a red card just to kind of even things up so they don't have to hold the ball because it doesn't do anything for their team. And this team is is not good. I mean, they they don't have a, a offensive strategy outside of counterattacking with all that speed. And again, that that can work against good teams. You can shock some good teams like that, but. When you play the the mid the mid table teams, when you play the lower table teams, uh, it's it's going to come back to bite you, and that's why Houston, who is not good, is in fifth place in the West, and Portland is in ninth because they they don't have an offensive strategy that can win them games against lower table clubs. No, absolutely. Moving on to Dallas and the somewhat better New York team. I mean, statistically, they're still in third. But we'll start with Dallas because Tim, you know, he's still sad. Um, Dallas, they actually have another really good young player. And no, he's not on offense. It's 23-year-old goalkeeper Martin Pais. I think, who is on a short-term loan until July from the Erdovice's FC Utrecht. Pais came to Dallas's rescue more than once and helped FC Dallas walk away from their trip with the draw. Man, we, we how do we not have a goalkeeping sponsorship at this point? I mean, I, I don't understand. But after exploding for four goals in the second game of the season, the New York Red Bulls haven't managed more than one goal in a single game. We talked extensively last week. It's about their formation and their coach who just refuses to change it. Um, but yeah, look, they still sit in third in the conference, and that's due to their notoriously stingy defense. Um, up front, they're tied for the fourth fewest goals allowed across the league. Their starting keeper, again, Carlos Coronel, is second in MLS with goals prevented in the past month. And unfortunately, they're still waiting for guys like Lewis Morgan and Patrick Klimala to get back on track, whether or not they do or don't, is going to pretty much hinge on whether or not they make any noise or even reach uh, the playoffs. Yeah, we should have a goalkeeper sponsor. Uh, you know, after uh, Zach Steffen's awful weekend, the U.S. men's national keeper and City backup who uh, who had a major blunder against Liverpool, uh, maybe he needs some good PR. He can throw us some cash. We'll, uh, we'll talk him up. But uh, okay. until then, let's talk uh, Dallas Red Bulls. 
And, you know, Dallas, again, I'm doing a lot of, you know, this is Mike. Mike usually is on the statistical tilt uh, on yeah. these. But 20 shots to five, seven to two uh, on target for a Dallas team that has one of the most dangerous front lines in the entire league with Velasco and Ferreira and Areola and getting nothing from that despite the stingy defense of the Red Bulls, whatever. I, it was not good. And, listen, Dallas can't play away from home. Thank God they're not building a new stadium like Nashville. Because they are winless in their last nine away games. They are 0-4-5. They haven't picked up a win away from Texas since last August. It's been since last August. Just like uh, Robbie Robinson hasn't scored since then. Dallas hasn't won a game on the road since then. This is uh, It's a Dallas team with too much talent to, uh, to have a scoreless draw like this and to not figure out how to play in the road. So uh, bet on Dallas, 0-0 draw, boring. Uh, we're going to have one more 0-0 draw uh, coming up. But now let's go to the, the Revolution 2 and Charlotte FC 1. Mike Charlotte was, um, was bound for the MLS Cup last week after doing their little win streak, uh, and the New England Revolution were about to fire Bruce Arenas, uh, is what I said. But uh, maybe that flipped now that uh, the Revolution beat Charlotte. What do you think? Yeah. All is right in the world. New England wins. Charlotte loses. The Revs have ended their four-game losing streak. And the Matt Turnerless New England sits still in 11th place in the East. Not good, but it's a win. Um, the Revs could not stop scoring last year. 2021 was an amazing year. They won the Supporters' Shield. They scored 65 goals. This year, they have 10 goals through seven matches. But four combined in the last two weeks. So maybe it's looking up. Maybe not. Um, and maybe it's because Adam Busca is finally back in the lineup and scored his first goal of the season. Or maybe it's because Charlotte is actually an expansion side, and I don't care how many people you get in the stadium at home, you're still just an expansion side. Yeah. Other than that, three wins and four home matches for those previously mentioned uh, Charlotte FC. Are they the Kings, the Knights? I don't know. They have nice uniforms. Unfortunately, on the road, like so many teams struggle, Charlotte is winless outside of Carroll. Swiderski, Lewandowski light, who has four goals and assists, the attack has been relatively stagnant. They've created just, get this, 0.3 XG off of a whopping 60% of possession. Hey, Ben Bender, where you at, man? That's exactly what I was going to say, is Ben Bender needs to uh, to do a little more, especially on the road. Um, but yeah, that was uh, a tough loss for Charlotte, New England Revolution. Maybe they're back on track. We'll see. They're going to need to beat someone better than Charlotte. For me to get on that train, uh, speaking of bandwagons and trains here, Mike, your beloved Philadelphia Union, your pick to win the East in the MLS. Uh, now I think you might be a, a Orlando uh, City bound here, but they lost a little bit shockingly to Toronto FC, but maybe you're not as yeah. surprised as many people. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I mean, it, look, I guess it had to end eventually um, because, again, the support shield doesn't mean anything as we've seen over the previous um, you know, couple of years. Andre Blake because Andre Blake is awesome, had a, uh, his 457-minute scoreless streak snapped. Uh, they're now just two points up on Orlando City, and you would not have thought that because this this seemed like a team that was running away with everything, uh, but they're not. Um, it was Philly's first loss of the season. It ended their five-game winning streak, but we've said this over and over again. The lack of a proven goal threat has begun to show, and you told me that you can't have it all, Tim. You literally said that. But they have to have something. They have to get some kind of consistent goal threat. Otherwise, they're just not going to go far into the playoffs. And that has continually been a problem for this Philly team. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Philly, you know, look, 
they they do have that issue where they needed someone more consistent. It's not going to be Bedoya. I mean, he is again. He is he is old and washed, and it's over for him. He he'll have moments of brilliance, but again, he's not going to be your you know the guy pumping in twenty goals a season, whatever for your team. Um, you know, Chuck. Chalk this up, though, just to a sloppy loss on the road. Philadelphia is still one of the best clubs in MLS. Um, you know, the, the the goals were ugly. The Toronto forwards just walked through the Philly defense, uh, who was kind of standing still. They, they weren't moving their feet. They were just kind of stuck in the mud. And, you know, they, they both the both goals came on shots that there was a lot of traffic. Andre Blake couldn't see them. So, again, I'm not down on Andre Blake after this either. Uh, good on Toronto, but these things happen to good teams in a long season, and uh, I'm not concerned at all with what Philly's doing uh, because you know Toronto has looked a little better lately. Yeah, yeah, no, they do. They do look competent, um, and that's probably the most I'll say about them because I don't trust them yet. I know it's Bob Bradley's first year. I know he's got to get you know his right pieces in play, um, and they're unbeaten in the past four, and their offense is, volume is pretty good. 11 goals scored, tied for second in the East in that stat, but uh, it's the efficiency that's actually pretty eye-opening. Since March 13th, they lead MLS in the shot conversion percentage, turning more than 25% of their shots on target into goals. That's, that's where it's at. I mean, you know, you put the ball on net, it's going in. Um, Jesus Jimenez and Alejandro Pozuelo look really, really good. Pozuelo was the MVP two years ago, and we highlighted Jimenez a few weeks ago as the club's most consistent player. Uh, he scored four times in his first seven games, so that's really, really good. And maybe, you know, like you said, it's just taking a little bit longer for these guys to settle in. Uh, this is traditionally a team that plays really, really well. They uh, look like they are going to be getting potentially Dom- Domenico Crescido, who currently plays for Genoa and probably going to be re- uh, relegated in Serie A. That's on top of Lorenzo Insigne. Uh, so they are bringing in some pieces. They are spending money. So if this team can stay in and around ninth, 10th, 8th yeah. place, and they get these guys in the summer, they can very well make, uh, make a, a strong push up the table You know, when it comes to uh, the hotter months of uh, the season. Yeah, and, and Bob Bradley doesn't have eight defensive midfielders he can play at once yet, so uh, he doesn't have uh, his, his, his the squad he wants uh, to play. So uh, moving on to the last scoreless draw of the weekend, Chicago Fire 0, LA Galaxy 0. And Mike, that is not just the score on the scoreboard, that is the number of shots on target on the shot sheet as well. Uh, yeah. Talk about this garbage. Yeah. yeah, I saw that and I was just like, how? how this game is 90 minutes or it could be 30 minutes like we had a wonderful quote last week um but it's not it's still 90 minutes plus uh but galaxy seven points from four road games so far is a decent return la look a far stingier outfit than a year ago conceding just six goals in seven games and chicago still only lost once and that was a one nothing defeat to my orlando city goodness gracious um after allowing 54 goals last year they lead mls with only two allowed so far and you have to look no further than the 17 year old wonder boy gaga who will probably be somewhere in europe probably sitting next year because that's what great goalies do when they go to you know the uh, across the pond zach stefan um he should probably come back but Anyway, um, they, the problem with Chicago is they have trouble scoring. And again, this seems to be a consistent problem here in the MLS with a lot of people. Uh, the Lake Michigan Messi, Jordan Shakiri. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 
he hasn't been worth his DP spot. Okay, so aside from selling lots of jerseys, which maybe they do in Chicago with Shakiri on the back, um, he needs to find his form fast, not only for Chicago, but for Switzerland, uh, because this is a World Cup year. And, um, you know, you take a little bit of a risk when you leave, you know, the, the eye of your, your coach in, you know, Europe to come to MLS. Yeah. And, you know, had he been blowing it up, uh, playing a number 10 position, it's all fine and dandy, but he's not. So a little bit of controversy, maybe a little bit of concern for uh, Chicago Fire. But, man, as long as you got Gaga in, you're, you're, you're probably going to get at least a point. Yeah, listen, uh, that's a good point on Shakiri. I mean, this, you know, it's, it's not just we talked to CJ Sapong and, and we've talked about it before, whether uh, – playing against the best competition in Europe or just playing a lot in the MLS is better in a World Cup year. Uh, so Shakiri is going to have that same problem. It's not just U.S. Uh, men's national team, Canadian national team guys who are dealing with that. It's other guys, you know, we talk about Chicharito not being on the on the Mexican team and Carlos Vela and things like that. So um, th- there's there's things like that to consider in a World Cup year. Uh, that said, please don't ever call Shakiri Lake Michigan Messi again uh, on the podcast. That was awful. Uh, as far I as... <laughs> Hey, what about the Windy City Wea? Oh God! Is that, oh, he, is that, is that Tim Wea, George Wea? What which Wea is? Uh, Phil Wea, Phil Wea, yeah. from the second. Or Gary Gary Wea, the uh, Phil's Gary brother. Gary yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's hey, you know what? Drop into the comments below. What is your favorite nickname? Come up with them for the Windy City Wea, the uh, Michi- Lake Michigan Messi, otherwise known as the Cube. Jordan Shakiri, because we want to know, and we'll put that uh, on on Twitter later on. That's right. Swiss white chocolate is another option that we can uh, we can call like Shakiri there. Uh, as far as far as the LA Galaxy goes, uh, listen, I'm just gonna give again. I'm, I'll try, I'm I'm letting good teams off the hook who played poorly this weekend. Um, so for this is just an El Trafico hangover for LA Galaxy. Uh, they had they had their biggest game of the year on the one side. They had uh, former club legend Landon Donovan coming in midweek with the San Diego Loyal. Uh, they took care of his squad one nothing uh, in the U.S. Open uh, Cup here. So that's what I'm going to say is this was just a, a bit of a trap game. Uh, and again, and and Chicago Fire is, is tough is a tough defensive team. Again. I have to kind of say that again against LA, about the LA Galaxy right now because otherwise I'd be losing my mind that a team with Chicharito and Douglas Costa and, and you know from Ramirez and all these guys uh, couldn't get a, manage a single shot on net uh, on target. So because I don't want to lose it about that, I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, it was a uh, it was a trap game and, and we'll see the real LF, L, LA Galaxy uh, come up next week. And uh, last but not least, the other side of El Trafico, who had no hangover at all, uh, they did lose that game, but they came back and beat uh, Old Man River Sporting Kansas City 3-1, uh, and that is LAFC. So uh, what do you think of LAFC's victory here? Yeah, I mean, they are the Supporter Shield winners as of today for a reason. Don't, no, just stop. You don't want that. You don't want it. It's just a jinx. Um, but anyway, the team is deep, so deep. Ismail Tarati Shradi. Tajuri Shirati, I say that three times fast, yeah. wins the goal of the week with his incredible strike, breaking the 1-1 deadlock at the time. And then fellow sub Jose Ciafuentes scored as well. I mean, it, you know, the rich get richer because uh, Doug McIntyre reports that the club and Carlos Vea are close to finalizing a contract extension, which is great, which is what I would have did if I was Orlando City with Nani, uh, same age, 34 years old. Um, and another, this is, this is a big plus because they did – 
sell. And I don't never understood why they got rid of this man, but they uh, Fenerbahce have officially acquired on loan Uruguayan international winger Diego Rossi on a permanent transfer. The club did get six million dollars, including the loan fee. The total deal is worth about ten million. Um, and LASC re- retain a sell on percentage described to be as significant. 15%, 20%. That, that's 100%. big business. That's that's not bad. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. LAFC is got they got these pockets. I know there's, you know, a salary cap in this league and there's Tam and there's Gam. Um, but I was kind of disappointed when when uh Rossi left the club. I know he wanted to go to bigger and better things. The Turkish Super League. Eh, I mean, Super yeah, maybe, not bad. It's okay. I mean, you know, they play in champ not them, but you know, there's teams that get into Champions League. So, um, you know, good for him. But overall, it's nice to see that LAFC is going to keep their captain. He's going to keep the guy that drives jersey sales. And when he's on, he's still MVP caliber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, LAFC crushed it again. They didn't have uh, they didn't have a letdown game coming off El Trafico. Uh, maybe the loss motivated him a little more. And uh, yeah, just to add to what you said, great subs from Steve Chirundolo. Uh, Tajuri Shardy and uh, Sefuentes both scored coming off the bench. So, uh, you know, it's it's the best team in the NFL and the, the MLS. Uh, you know, I don't know how they do in the NFL. Uh, probably not good. No, probably, no, they're, probably, most of the guys probably. are pretty small, so they probably would not do well. <laughs> but uh, in the MLS, they're one of the best teams, if not the best. So, uh, good on LAFC, good on Chirondolo. And, um, you know, the train, there's no reason to think the train's going to stop rolling here. No, but as we said, Kansas City is. Uh, Poo poo for sure. Um, and and it had hurt. They you know seeing your your former player Il Sanchez provide the the kind of foundation for LAFC that he used to do for Casey. Uh, Coach Peter Vermees, man, I feel for you. This is going to be uh, perhaps your best coaching job if you are to actually get them out of twelfth place on six points. Or it could be your final year in Kansas City, and maybe that's not such a bad thing because after a while, even coaches need to be replaced. And I'm sure with his uh, CV, he will pop up in many other places that would you know, potentially need, need a, a skipper or a gaffer, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, uh, you know, Sporting Kansas City is in need of a major rebuild because they are so old. So as a palate cleanser, Mike, for the oldness of uh, Sporting Kansas City, let's oh rank God. stuff. Let's rank young players in the MLS. Look, MLS has always had a reputation on one end of being a retirement home for some of the bigger stars in Europe. Um, But over the past few years, they've really done a great job developing young talent. Uh, You talked about the Under-22 initiative. Uh, they, They are really incentivizing teams to be able to bring in young guys to develop them. You know, some to sell on, some to keep and and play in the league. But uh, this is, I mean, I don't know if this is a record of young talent in the league, but it really feels like there's a groundswell of guys who are, you know, under 22 that are really going to be difference makers that we are going to possibly see in Europe down the line and who we're going to hear from in the World Cup and things like that uh, in the coming months here. So we're going to rank our top five young MLS players. And as I just mentioned, um, the... Uh, the age cutoff for there was 22 years old. So these guys are under 22, which means your beloved Facundo Torres didn't quite make it and some other guys. But uh, Mike, start with your uh, your best five under 22. Yeah, I asked you about this previous to the show because I had uh, Georgi Mihalovic on here. And I was like, no, he's 23. Come on. But he's my wild card. Anyway, so is Tati Castellanos. Uh, so I had to give someone yeah, up uh, as well. It's true. I guess 22 makes sense. I mean, there is that initiative. Uh, but at number five... 
It's been a little bit come back down to earth over the past few weeks, but it's still Mr. Ben Bender, uh, 21 years old, for those wondering. Uh, he he needs to play better because he's that linchpin to um, Lewandowski light. I was going to say something else. Number four, Alan Velasco. You are 19 years old. You are fantastic. Um Again, these are for me, these are going to be so interchangeable. There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to come and go from this list as well. It's just kind of the flavor of the week. And even Bender barely made it for me because he's been quiet. But Velasco, um, he's been really consistent since he came on. Number three, my boy here in Orlando, Cesar Araujo, 21 years old. He has not only taken the starting defensive midfielder position from Orlando City, he looks like he could potentially push his way into the Uruguayan national side come World Cup time. Um, he has just been lights out fantastic i almost put him at number two but because you convinced me jesus ferreira 21 i didn't think he's 21 years old i thought he was 45 i feel like he's been around forever and yes good on him good on dallas good on the u.s men's national team we'll see how far that gets us come world cup time or if there will be a change in greg berhalter's plans because there's always a play by a plan of change in greg berhalter's plans but he's at number two and i can't believe you I'm going to let you give your, your list first. But Gaga Salonina, number one, he's 17. He can't even drive in most states. He definitely can't drink alcohol. He can't even smoke a cigarette. But he's the best goalkeeper in the league, arguably. And he is my number one. Gaga, come on the show because you this, if you come on the show, you probably could win MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I love Gaga Salonina. Look, he's he's – Kept a bunch of clean sheets. A couple of those have, you know, I think he's got like three clean sheets with like three total saves uh, in those games. So, you know, he's not getting a lot of action. I'd love to see him uh, have a thing. But, you know, again, like you said, this list is 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 so big right now that you have to yeah. leave someone off. So, you know, just for the sake of, of parody, I, I had some differences in you. Uh, and I also cheated at number five yeah. and took yeah. uh, the Brazilian connection from NYCFC, Diego Andrade and Talis Magno. Uh, Tiago is 21. Uh, Magno is 19. They are stylish Brazilians who pair with, Ca- with uh, Tati Castellanos up front. Uh, the Argentine to make just an incredible South American uh, attacking front for NYCFC. And so those guys are just two young players to watch. Again, they're you know they're in the city system, so it's going to be interesting to see how you know a team like Chicago Fire deals deals with Gaga Slonina as kind of an independent entity. Whereas, you know, you have to think of the guys at NYCFC as part of a, a greater plan here uh, for a, an organization that owns teams around the world in Australia and China and then obviously the uh, the big club in England. And so when you see them pass up a deal from River Plate, because, you know, that what what's that little, you know, the whatever they're going to do, you know, probably 20 million or less for uh, for Castellanos. I don't know what that's going to do for for the city football group who have more money than almost anyone on earth. But you see these guys, they're developing these young players, and that's kind of the point of NYCFC to some extent, is not just to win, which they are with these really talented young South Americans, but uh, just something to keep an eye on. Uh, Number four, I know you're more down on him. I like him a lot more than you do. Efrain Alvarez, uh, the 19-year-old Mexican from LA Galaxy, uh, I think he's just really bright and dangerous, and he's playing with a lot of great players uh, on on that LA Galaxy team. So I think he's the arrows really pointed up on him. Uh, number three, another guy from LA that I talk I've talked a lot about in the past, and I wanted to put a defender on this list. This was kind of my 
goalkeeper versus defender thing, and you didn't have a center back on yours. So 19-year-old Mamadou Fall for LAFC. He started seven games for the for the for possibly the best team in MLS already this season. He's an excellent defender. He's got offensive skills as well. He scored a late goal a couple weeks ago to uh, to give them a late draw, I think, is, is what, he, what he scored. But Mamadou Fall is a guy to keep an eye on. And then I have, uh, you know, the top two. They're both on your list. They're both from Dallas. Uh, Alan Velasco at 19. Just a really creative player and a guy. I mean, he he really changed the focus. I mean, this this week's results uh, notwithstanding, you know, he he really changed how Dallas looked, uh, creating again that front free with Ferreira and Areola on on Dallas. And so he's a player to watch. And then Jesus Ferreira, he should be the number nine for the United States. He is the number nine for Dallas FC FC Dallas. And uh, and and Ferreira's fantastic. Like you said, it's surprising because. He seems so poised. He seems so experienced. He seems like a a long time MLS goal scorer, but he's just 21, and uh, and the future is looking bright for him. And again, he's a guy that could. He's gonna have. He's already having a great MLS season, and he's a guy that could really blow up in the World Cup and be one of those guys who gets a World Cup bump. So I hope he's in MLS next year because uh, I think he still has a lot to do there. But I could see a European, te- a European team, if he has a great World Cup, being like, whoa, this kid is the future and, and, and going over there. So that is my uh, top five, Mike. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like yours is more of like a like a long-term goal type of deal. Like you got the NYC guys, you got Alvarez, you got Fall. They're not exactly lighting, lighting the world on fire right now. And they're really good. And they have had moments of brilliance where, you know, Velasco and Ferreira, we know. But I feel like mine, like Araujo, he's without him. And I'm not just saying it because I'm a supporter, but without him... Orlando's not where they are. Without yeah. Bender, I don't think they Charlotte even has you know the amount of points that they have. And without Slanina, Chicago is Vancouver. So we're all entitled to our own opinion. I just feel like my guys right now are you know the cream of the crop. Where you're you know, you're worried about Manchester City or you know uh, the team in India you guys own, the Australian team you guys own. So you know, to each your own. Oh, he's City Football Group, but yeah, sure, might might be more of a ceiling play, but uh, oh, my Mamadou Fall has been excellent. You know, he's and he's on the pitch all the time. It's not there's not a lot of sexy stats to go along with. That, right, but, it's uh, hard to get excited about a center back. I mean, oh, I can get excited about a right back, a left back, yeah. a center back. I mean, unless you're you know you know Virgil Van Dyke or you know guys of that ilk, you know it's it's tough, but it's fine. So we'll see. So we'll see. That was young, but these, but anyways, these these uh you know these guys are all guys you really need to watch in MLS because uh they may not be in MLS for long, but if they are, they're going to be really good players for a long time. And so all these guys uh mm-hmm. ones to watch under twenty two. Mike, moving on to potent quotables. Uh, I have one this week, and this is from uh, ESPN reporter Jeff Carlisle talking about former Earthquakes manager Matias Almeida. Sources told ESPN that Almeida told the team after last week's 4-3 loss to Houston he was done as San Jose manager and that he would talk to the team following Monday. But when Monday came, there was no further clarity as to his future. Those sources also said that this is something that Almeida has said to the team more than once over the years in the wake of difficult losses. Like, if your manager is quitting after big losses and multiple times, he needs to go. He is not cut out for this life. And this is like the MLS. I mean, you know, this yeah. is this 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 is not the highest profile gigs in the world, especially in San Jose. I mean, right. we're not even talking LA, New York, my you know, it's Florida. Like, come on. Like this is yeah. you're quitting on your team. He's saying he's done after multiple losses. Horrible. Good riddance to Omeda. That is uh just not good at all. 
No, and this falls on front the front office too. Because if I get wind, if I'm the general manager, right. sporting director, and I find out like my coach is telling my players, even once I'm going to quit, you're gone. Like that is just so negative to put around a professional sports club. Like, no, 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 duh, that this team is you know <laughs> not very good. Like how can they be motivated by a man that's like I don't really care because I quit anyway. It's like you can't fire me. I quit. No, you should have been fired three weeks ago. So. Really, really bad. I hope for I, they got great, great uniforms in San Jose. They got Cade Cowell and Jeremy Obosi. They got some decent pieces to start, um, but you've got to get somebody in there that believes in them, or at the very least, can fake it. Yeah, it's bad, and you know, he threatened to take his ball and go home, and now the uh, the club told him that go ahead, take it and leave because he yeah. is out. Now, Mike, uh, you have a quote, another uh, another uh, kind of reporty type quote versus a player yeah. quote here. But uh, what do you got from uh, MLS.com? Yeah, not funny because I like funny, but this is more of aggravating to me. And I think you'll agree because it's directly affected the team that you love and behold. Um, So uh, MLS.com on Seattle Sounders power ranking. Uh, The Sounders are deservedly in the CONCACAF Champions League final. And if we're being brave and honest here, they're the favorites against Liga Mekis Pumas, especially if they're healthy. Right on the doorstep of this great white whale for MLS teams, now it's about getting the job done at all costs. Play the academy kids in the regular season if you have to. You're on the verge of the biggest win for any MLS club in league history. Go out and get it. Then just coast into a 14 straight Audi MLS Cup playoffs appearance and seems as seems inevitable. You'll all have already had one of the most successful seasons of all time. I have so many problems no. with this paragraph. And this is the person that is, I don't know if is in charge of the power rankings per se, or just maybe they take snippets of each. But this is so off base and off kilter that they're they're at number one. And I talked about this to start the show. They're not at number one. They're nowhere near number one. And the problem, and this is why MLS sometimes gets a bad rap from leagues and people and pundits across the world, is because we put value on really strange things. Again, this is not UEFA Champions League. And there's even teams in the UEFA Champions League, like a Liverpool, that would rather win the Premier League than win the Champions League. You get get, same thing with Real Madrid. They've got 13. Would they rather win La Liga? It's debatable. But here we are in MLS, a league that's been around for 27 years, and you're telling me that it's more important to get okay another championship. You've got a you've got a number. It's more important to get a Concacaf Champions League, a a made up tournament that is only a number for three four years old, maybe even less than that, to beat a, a Liga Mekis team in Pumas, which I don't actually think they're better than Pumas between you and I. So it's more important you should just basically forego whatever games you have left, play the kids, because you're going to make the playoffs anyway. Hmm. So here's my thing now. You're in the Champions, you're in the Champions Championship game. You lose this game. And now you've already started out pretty pretty poorly to begin the season. Um, then what? You don't make the Audi MLS Cup playoffs. And you also lost the CONCACAF Champions League. So no, it's no longer one of the most successful seasons. It's one of the worst. It should cost your coach his job. It should cost the front office a couple jobs. But you think it's okay because you might win the Champions League. You might make the AL, the MLS Cup playoffs. That's a lot of mites for me. And not only is it disrespectful for the game, but it really just puts a stain on the league in general because 
if that's the way that fans are thinking of what's important, we're way off base here. Uh, this is a this is a, a tournament. It's it yes, it's a cup, but it's basically a friendly tournament. Okay, it doesn't have nearly the money of other cups and, and championships. And I think there's already too many cups with the Lamar Hunt Cup, and you've got this, and there's too much going on that takes away from the league. We've got international breaks where teams don't even get international breaks. There was three games going on. We talked about that during the U.S qualifying so there's a lot of misconception and there's a lot of just screw-ups i think in the league office that need to be rectified and if people like this are going to be putting out information and opinion pieces because that's what it really is to me and you're fine you're, you're you can have your opinion but when we're here to talk and we're going to go back at you i am not afraid to say that this is so so wrong whether or not um anyone agrees with me doesn't really doesn't affect me because this is somebody's opinion and this is my opinion. But I think for the better of the league and for all of humanity that likes soccer, it's the league, man. It's the league that matters. And these 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 fake cups, like the Carabao Cup and even the FA Cup, they have lost their their luster. They are nowhere near. That's why Zach Steffen was playing last week in the semifinals against Liverpool. Because if Pep really wanted to win that, he would have played Ederson. He would have played his first team. But no, he didn't because he's got the real Champions League, and he's got to win the league because he does not want to lose it to Liverpool. But you do you, Sounders. You hopefully win that game, and you hopefully make the playoffs. Yeah, and just a big shout. Thank you to J. Sam Jones because it's usually me. Mike's yelling at derisively that I can have my opinion, but I'm way off base. Uh, but I, I got to agree with you. I mean, you're in 11th place in the MLS playing your playing your kids or whatever, and it's uh, that's not that's not a good spot to be. And, and this is not the UEFA Cup, so I very well said, and I can't add much to that. Just to say that uh, I agree with all of it. <laughs> Now, what I don't agree with is the fact that uh, I should be picking uh, soccer games uh, because it has not gone well. It didn't go well for either of us this week at all. But, Mike, you are still over 500, so you're making money. Uh, If you decide to fade me and bet against me uh, in uh, in recent weeks, and you are also making money, so maybe you keep that up. But, Mike, you were uh, 2-5 and in your seven games to bring your yearly record to 19-18. and I was a paltry one and six. Uh, only LAFC uh, saved me from going the big donut uh, for the week. I am fourteen and twenty-two, so it's going to take me some work to get out of this basement here. But uh, let's make let's uh, betting on football is fun for some people, Mike. So let's uh, let's give our picks, and again, you can decide uh, to go with Mike to go against me when you hear some of these ideas here. Mike, start with you. Seven games, go. Austin, uh, a negative 175 over Vancouver. Austin's got to beat Vancouver. This seems like a no-brainer, even though money's tough. Uh, Galaxy, negative 105 over the Nashville Hot Chickens. This is tough. This was a hard one for me, but like we've said, Galaxy needs to rebound after going nil-nil against Chicago, and I think Nashville's still starting to crack at the back. <laughs> so take the Galaxy at negative 105. Orlando City, if you don't ride them now, then get off the bandwagon. Plus 175 over the New York Red Bulls. New York Red Bulls having trouble scoring. Orlando's got a really good defense. And Orlando all of a sudden knows how to find the back of the net. And they're at home. Take Orlando on the money. LAFC, how are they only get? And they're getting 110 over Cincinnati. Lock of the year. Take it. Went out on the limb here. I also really like the fact that Charlotte is getting plus 500. But I'm taking them over the Colorado Cronkies. I don't love Charlotte. I don't love what they've been doing. But I'm hoping Ben Bender can can rectify the situation. Carol Swiderski can figure it out. And the Cronkies are going to Cronky for another week. Seattle. 
You're playing San Jose. If you don't beat San Jose, and I know I just went on this long rant about Seattle, but it's 170. It's against San Jose and their brand new coach. I think Tim is actually the interim. I haven't got if that's 100% accurate, but it probably is. Tim's got good tactics, but come on. Seattle, 170. And finally, Miami. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm taking Miami plus 150 over Atlanta because Tim is actually in net for Atlanta. That's why he's not coaching San Jose. It's all true. Uh, breaking news. I will be doing both this weekend. So it's going to be a busy weekend for me. Uh, but yeah, so let's see. I am, uh, I'm taking FC Dallas uh, over the Houston Dynamos, minus 135. So uh, it's not a, they're a favorite, not a huge favorite. Uh, Seattle Sounders, I do, even even though uh, they don't care about MLS, uh, San Jose Earthquakes just lost their coach and you're getting plus 155 odds on Seattle. Take them. Uh, Mike, I truly apologize for this because this is the kiss of death uh, that I'm picking your team uh, to win a game. So uh, Orlando City uh, plus 120 over the New York Red Bulls. Same with you. Couldn't believe LAFC plus odds over Cincinnati. Uh, FanDuel only has them at plus 100. So uh, you want to go find those plus 110 odds and take them over okay. Cincinnati. NYCFC, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm kiss of deathing my team as well. Yeah. Uh, minus 270 over Toronto. Uh, but I think they found something. I think they're going to be back in action. Uh, same with the Revs. In DC United, again, lost their coach. Uh, some teams get a bump for that. I don't know that DC United will. Uh, the Revolution has a, a finally get a win under their belt, so they're plus 190 over DC. And then I'm also putting some action on that Charlotte-Colorado game. I'm not quite going the opposite way of you and taking that, but I feel like uh, this could be a draw. So uh, a draw is plus 290 here for Charlotte and Colorado. So those are uh, our pick of the weeks. <laughs> Uh, Mike, thank you very much. Thank you to our producer, Andrew Kula, who always puts together the episodes uh, after the fact here. But Mike, before we leave, tell the people where they can find the MLS Soccer Show on social media. Yeah, you can find us on multiple multiple spots now. You can find us on uh, Tim writes fantastic articles for sportscasting.com. He put together that piece last week on uh, CJ Sapong in Nashville SC. So the article and the video were on sportscasting.com. So you can check us out there uh, on Facebook as well at sportscasting. Just sportscasting. If you want to go on Twitter, you can still find us on MLS Ocker show or ml soccer show or you can find us over on uh, sportscasting 19 and then on instagram as well as sportscasting official or ml soccer show uh as usual and again if you want to watch it on facebook or watch us on youtube you can do that it's sportscasting on youtube or it's going to be mls soccer show on youtube plenty of places you know what just go to one and we've got a link tree and you can actually just find them all it's so much easier than trying to figure this out yeah, make it. We're all about making your life easier here for uh, from learning about the MLS to uh, finding us on Twitter. So do what Mike says and see us on social. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>